Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Part 2. Chapter 11. Are you just going to pretend yesterday didn't happen? Baz walked beside Deliritus on the way to Duke Octavenal's study. Actually, it was more jogging than walking. Whether that was a symptom of Deliritus merely being eager to answer his father's summons, or an effort to get away from Baz's questioning wasn't clear. Regardless, it was doing nothing to help Baz's manic state. He'd gotten exactly zero sleep the night prior. He couldn't stop his hands from fidgeting, and his left eyelid kept spasming at random intervals. After Deliritus had revealed what was essentially a pending death sentence for both of them the night before, the Torchsire heir had been pulled away by his father, and Baz had been unable to speak with him further. Now, after a night spent imagining his bones being crushed one at a time by the torture wheel, Deliritus was refusing to talk. I'd prefer to do just that, young Bastion, Deliritus said. I shouldn't have said anything at all. I don't even know for certain what I said is true. A syllabic laugh jumped from Baz's mouth, sharp as a dart. He bit down on his tongue to prevent himself from breaking into a fit of cackles. Deliritus wasn't even sure it was true? He'd driven Baz to the point of madness with his bag of marbles only half full? Don't look at me like that, Bastion. Reminds me of Marla Colnar's harbor from the... Deliritus trailed off. He never dwelled on the topic of the trials long if he could avoid it. Like what? Baz said barely keeping his tone within the realm of sanity. His fingers tingled as the thought of strangling Deliritus flashed across his mind. He might actually get away with it, too. Rox wasn't with them, which was further contributing to Baz's ill-ease. Rox being absent from Deliritus's presence was like any other man losing his shadow. But while the big man had been healed of his injuries, Healing after such serious trauma was exhausting, and Rox had to be on a horse riding to fortune in less than a day. Deliritus had ordered the harbor to rest, and the fact that Rox had actually obeyed showed just how bad off he must be. Baz shook away his fantasy of Deliritus's purpling face. Look at you like what? Baz repeated. Like you scared the ink from my pages over a mere hunch? It's not just a hunch, Deliritus shouted, halting so abruptly, Baz nearly careened into him. Baz would have cursed, but the strength of Deliritus's glare held his tongue. He couldn't help grimacing at the dark bags under the Torchsire heir's own eyes, and for the first time, Baz noticed the rumpled state of Deliritus's tunic. 
even the white feather sticking from the band of his hat seemed worn and frayed. Deliritus took a breath before continuing. Not a hunch. Farston as good as told me. But he's been in politics so long he twists words better than most enigmans. Well, what did he say? Baz asked. Nothing. Baz's hands involuntarily began to reach for Deliritus's neck. Nothing to me directly, at least. Deliritus went on, apparently failing to recognize his imminent peril. But I was at a late lunch with him and my uncle yesterday, after you saw him in the receiving room. He mentioned to my uncle, almost in passing, that his daughter's favorite story is that of the dandelion and the fly. Do enlighten me, Baz said. It's a basic enough story, Deliritus said. Only really small children like it. Ordinary fly lands on a dandelion and gets covered in yellow pollen. Next thing it knows, it's been adopted by a family of bees, and it lives in fear of being found out. But when it gets caught in the rain and the pollen washes away, the bees still accept the fly. I'd have expected slightly more interesting topics of conversation over a lunch with one of Oration's most powerful men, Baz said. A frivolous little fable, Deliritus said, ignoring Baz. At least, that's what my uncle said. I'm still waiting to hear the part where Farston announced he knows we've both committed a capital offense. Being on the receiving end of a glare from Deliritus was nothing new for Baz, but the one the Torchsire air leveled at him now sent chills through Baz's bones. Baz dropped his eyes, and Deliritus continued. Ah, uh, yes, Farston responded to my uncle, but I prefer the grown-up version. The pollen's washed away, and the bees execute the fly as an imposter. That's a better moral all around, don't you think? Liars always get caught. For several seconds, Baz found he'd lost the ability to breathe. He could just imagine Farston's cold, colorless eyes as he'd spoken those words. He stared right at me when he said it, Bastion. He knows. He must. What Farston had said didn't necessarily mean that he knew Baz could read, just that he knew Deliritus hadn't completed the trials. Still, even if the Liamina Duke hadn't pegged him for a cuss, Baz would almost certainly be executed just to keep things quiet. Come on, Baz said with a laugh, though it sounded more like a whimper. That could mean dozens of things, like he's a sick twit who likes to tell children homicidal bedtime stories. And wouldn't he be breaking the law by not reporting you? I don't think too many people tell Duke Farston Liamina what to do, Deliritus murmured. He means to hold it over me so I vote with him at the Congress. Then maybe he'll reveal me for the fraud I am once he's gotten his use out of me. Baz almost felt a tinge of pity for the Torchsire heir. Almost. Bah, let him hang, Baz thought. Except, if Deliritus's secret was uncovered, that meant Baz's would be too. How many broken bones could one suffer while still continuing to draw breath? Don't be stupid, Baz said. That can't be Farston's reasoning. You really think he needs help convincing a bunch of readers that speakers don't deserve rights? 
more to the point, would he need to resort to blackmail to get you to support such a notion? Valyrtus's cheeks colored, but he was saved from having to respond. Ah, Bastion, Marquis de Lyritus. Lyanna emerged from an adjacent corridor, her path intersecting their own. Her tawny hair was pulled up into a bun, and she was wearing a riding cloak in torchsire burgundy, with black riding boots to match. She had a satchel slung over one shoulder. Baz's mind was still too consumed by the phantom sound of snapping bones to immediately form words, so he just stopped in front of her, mouth slightly open. Ah, Conservator Liana, Deliritus said, clearing his throat. You'll have to pardon us. We're on our way to my father's study, after which I'm sure we'll need to be making immediate preparations for our departure to fortune on the morrow. Coincidentally, Liana said, her eyes flashing in Baz's direction, I'm headed to your father's study as well. You are? Deliritus and Baz said simultaneously. I am, she replied, purple eyes glowing with opacity. The Conservatory has decided I'll be its representative at the Triumvirate Congress. It has? Baz blurted. He gaped at Liana and surmised Deliritus was doing the same, as the Torchsire air was, for once, completely silent. Liana's mischievous gaze turned to a scowl. I'm glad to be traveling with the two of you as well. Her tone suggested anything but. I believe the Duke's study is this way. She turned and strode off down the hall without further comment. Baz looked to Deliritus and found the Torchsire heir staring back at him. I'd hoped the Conservatory might send someone with... Deliritus trailed off as his eyes moved back to Liana's figure as it proceeded down the hall. Gray hairs? Baz offered. Deliritus shrugged. Someone who might offer half a chance of standing up to Farston. I don't know, Baz said. Have you ever argued with Liana? She'll put you on the spit and have your bacon for... Bastion, don't you see? It can't be a coincidence that the only other person in erstwhile who knows my secret is going on this expedition as well. Baz opened his mouth, intending to call Deliritus an idiot. But actually, what were the chances of that? Liana might be a conservator, but she was a librarian, and they were treated with almost as much disdain as speakers amongst the conservators, journeyers, luminaries, and masters, who resided at the actual conservatory, yet they'd selected Liana as their representative? Baz found he couldn't just dismiss Deliritus's theory. He began to regret having eaten breakfast that morning. They walked the rest of the way to the Duke's study in silence. All the way, Baz invented successively more incredible explanations for Liana's addition to their retinue. Each one either made less sense than the last, or horrified Baz to such a degree that his mind wouldn't deign to consider them for more than a few moments. Duke Octavnal's harbor stood at the entrance to his study. The man was built like a boulder, wide and low to the ground. He was silent as one, too. Baz was almost certain he'd never heard the bald man utter a sound, much less talk. He gave an imperceptible nod to Deliritus, and, surprisingly, also to Baz. 
Bess cocked an eyebrow before deciding it was best to return the gesture rather than risk angering the man. He might be diminutive compared to rocks, but he could almost certainly kill Baz just as fast. Liana was already in the study, pointedly not looking in their direction as they entered. Deliritus's father glared at them from behind a polished desk. The duke's hat sat on the stand by the door, and early morning light from the room's large windows reflected off the duke's receding hairline. Baz bowed low, as was expected of any speaker in a reader's presence, then did his best to ignore the man's probing eyes. Baz had never been in the Duke's study before. Indeed, the Duke allowed very few people into it, and Baz had heard stories of the rages into which the Duke had flown over being disturbed while in it so Baz generally made a conscious effort to avoid even walking past it. The room was divided into two halves. The space in which they stood now was dominated by the duke's desk and red velvet chair. There were no other seats in this half of the room. Behind the desk was a shelf that held a surprising number of spoken books. Baz tried not to look too closely at them, but that was like trying to ignore a fortune of gilts lying in the street with nobody else around. There were nearly as many books there as in the library's speaking room. Where had the Duke gotten them all? He'd heard the rumors, of course, of how shrewd a negotiator the Duke could be when it came to bartering, but the library had supposedly been struggling to make ends meet for over a decade, necessitating the sale of a number of books to keep finances out of the blood. It was a recession Torchsire had only recently pulled itself out of on the back of Deliritus's victory at the trials, but that alone couldn't explain such an embarrassment of riches. Apparently, he'd been staring a bit too openly at the books as Deliritus elbowed him in the ribs. Face heating, Baz quickly looked away from the shelves. The other half of the room was taken up by a circular working table, covered in papers. It sat before a floor-to-ceiling window with a view of Xavier Tower. Adjacent to the window was a door with several locks along its length. Do you know why I chose to place my study in this room, Deliritus? The Duke never sounded friendly, but his voice this morning was the aural equivalent of walking barefoot over shattered glass. Even if he hadn't been expected to, Baz had no trouble keeping his eyes averted from the man. Deliritus shuffled his feet. I can't say I've ever really thought on it, father. Of course you haven't, the duke said. It's because of that. Octavenal pointed out the window at Xavier Tower. Permits me to keep an eye on my enemies. It's impossible to grow complacent when every morning I wake to see what they've achieved and my library has not. It's as Halifax erstwhile said, keep one eye on your books, the other on your foes. Huh. That actually explained a lot about how the Duke treated Deliritus. Baz kept his eyes to the floor, hoping that kept his grimace hidden. I see, father. No, you don't, the Duke snapped. You think just because you found a book in a trash heap of a lost city that you're ready to take my place? I... Baz bowed his head further, wishing he could somehow back away from the duke. 
Actually, who was he kidding? He wanted to sprint from the room. I, uh, think nothing of the sort, father. It'll be years yet before I've learned enough from you. Judging by the silence, Baz estimated that the Duke was glaring daggers at Deliritus. Baz didn't risk looking up to see. Eventually, Octavenal fumed through his nose and leaned back in his seat. At least you've sense enough to know when to avoid a fight. Most would call that cowardice. Most people are also fools. I, well, thank you, father. I don't need your thanks, Deliritus. Just results. Avoiding battles you're bound to lose is vital, but winning when advantage is there for the taking is even more important. That's why I'm sending you to the Congress. I thought I was already going. Duke Octavenal scoffed. You think I couldn't have gone myself if I wanted? I think Farston was actually surprised when I agreed to let you go. He thinks to take advantage of you. Baz spared a quick glance for Deliritus. He'd raised his chin so that he was looking down his nose at his father, arms crossed over his chest. I've my own mind, father. I'll say my piece and vote as I see fit. No, you won't, Duke Octavenal said, voice like iron. I... I won't? No, you'll vote as I tell you to vote. Deliritus remained silent for a time, seeming to work through what his father was getting at. Apparently, his ruminations came up nil. What do you want me to do? You'll oppose Farston on every point, no matter how minor. He aims to consolidate his power, make himself appear to be the savior of the reader's way, upholding Actus Torchsire's original statutes. But don't we want those statutes upheld as well? The Duke was silent for quite a while. Baz scrunched his shoulders in on himself, as if doing so would make him disappear. Scream! The Duke's chair pushed back on the stone floor, and Octavenal rose. Despite his maimed hands, Duke Octavenal Torchsire was a fit man, and he was out from behind the desk in a flash. Baz really did shuffle back a few paces this time. The Duke stopped directly in front of Deliritus and glared into his son's eyes for a moment, then backhanded him across the face. Liana gasped, and Baz averted his eyes, for some reason feeling embarrassed. Deliritus actually seemed to handle it better than either of them. A husky breath rushed from the torchsire heir's mouth as his head was thrown to one side by the force of the blow. He held the position, gathering himself, then righted himself without another sound. If you don't start thinking like a torchsire boy, you won't outlive me, much less survive to assume my dukeship. Of course we want those statutes upheld, but do you really think anything you could do or say at the Congress would lead to a different result? Aye, the whole thing is a political charade. There's no chance of the progressives' proposal passing. A handful of angry slaves kill a single man, and the whole of oration loses its sanity, and now Farston's capitalizing. You could be the enigma himself and not hope to gain a single vote in favor of giving speakers an iota more of rights. But that isn't the point. You're to make it seem as if Farston can't do a simple thing like quash this outrageous proposal, thereby weakening his political standing. 
if you'd been thinking at all, you'd have realized his term as chair of the Congress is up next year. Your victory at the trials has positioned this library well to challenge him for that position, but it will mean nothing if Farston gains favor at this special session. You are not to let this happen. Is that clear enough for your small mind, Deliritus? Yes, Deliritus murmured. What's that, boy? Baz could almost hear the muscles of Deliritus's face contort into a scowl. Yes, father, I'll do as you command. Good. Now leave me. I've much work to do. The duke returned to his desk and bent over a stack of papers as if the three of them had ceased to exist. There was nothing for them to do but exit. Oh, and conservator, the duke said as they were almost out the door. Liana stopped, back ramrod straight. She didn't turn. If you so much as breathe a word of what you heard here, I'll be sure that Brennaton keeps you a librarian for the rest of your miserable days. Do you understand? Baz's eyes widened, and he couldn't help but look in Liana's direction. She kept a measured expression and slowly turned back to Octavenal. Of course, my duke. Her curtsy was a little too deep. I am but a humble servant. She rose and left without the duke's dismissal and without waiting for Baz and Deliritus. Baz glanced at the torchsire heir. A bruise had already formed along the line of his cheekbone, and a droplet of blood stained the color of his tunic. Come on, young bastion, Deliritus murmured, motioning for him to exit the study. Deliritus was obviously making an effort at his typical levity, but the words left his tongue like the turn of a crinkled page. We leave bright and early, and I've yet to pack, and we need to rouse rocks. For once, Baz had no objections to Deliritus's commands, and he followed the air from the duke's study. When they were down the hall a sufficient distance, Baz stopped Deliritus with a hand on the shoulder and began to ask, what do you intend to do about? I'll do my duty for my library, Bastion, as will you. Farston will do what he does when he wants. It's out of our control, and we can't let that get in the way of our responsibilities. Our responsibilities? Of course, Deliritus replied, all pretense of levity escaping him. I must do what is best for my library, and you must do as I say, which is to act in this library's best interests. I know you don't like me, but I despise you, Baz said, the words leaping from his mouth before he'd time to think them through. An awkward silence ensued, and Baz was the first one to look down. Be that as it may, Deliris said, voice very quiet. We need to work together. Perhaps you've forgotten, Baz said, looking back up, but working together didn't work out so well for me last time. Deliritus's mouth opened, then shut. He closed his eyes and turned away from Baz. You deserved better, Bastion, but laws are laws. I was just... Spare me, Deliritus, Baz snapped. Those laws will have me tortured and killed as soon as Farston deems it advantageous to reveal what he knows of the trials. Where will my loyalty to you in this library get me then? Deliritus kept his back to Baz, saying nothing. That's what I thought. 
If I didn't already have to... He'd been about to say, if he didn't already have to go to Fortune to stop the snakes from committing mass murder, he might just refuse to go altogether. What did it matter? He'd be dead anyway as soon as Farston revealed their secret. But Baz did have to go to Fortune, if not for the reasons Deliritus wanted. I'll see you at first light, Baz said, but you can prepare on your own. Baz walked away without giving Deliritus an opportunity to respond. Though his words had been hard, Baz's stomach roiled with terror, and there was also a pang of something else that hadn't been there moments before. Deliritus likely faced execution too, yet, even after being assaulted by his own father, he still sought to perform his duties. Baz wanted to think of Deliritus as nothing more than an idiot, but somehow he couldn't dredge up the scorn he usually felt for the torchsire heir. You're a blasted fool, Bastion, Baz muttered to himself. A blasted fool. Hello all. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is September 25th. 2022 as I record this, which, hard to believe, is already episode 10 of season 2 of the podcast, episode 37 overall. Um, No analysis this week. We did a long analysis episode last week, so I hope you all enjoyed uh, getting back into the actual story as we read chapter 11 of Declaimer's Discovery in the... uh, the plot seems to be thickening here even more. Uh, Duke Octavenal apparently has his own aims here for sending Deliritus to the uh, the Triumvirate Congress along with uh, Duke Farston. So going to be interesting to see where that goes. And of course, we'll uh, analyze the events of this chapter and uh, the next few chapters in, a, I don't know, either two or three weeks uh, in our next analysis episode. But in the meanwhile, if you have any thoughts or questions about this chapter, uh, definitely email them to me, dtkane at dtkane.com. So we'll do the quick personal update here, as we always do. Uh, Successful launch week last week for Declaimer's Stand. I think we're up to about... 40, maybe even closer to 50 copies of it out in the wild now. So I hope those of you who have gotten your hands on it are enjoying it. And uh, if you haven't picked up your copy yet, uh, you uh, certainly should feel free to do so. You you can head over to books2read.com slash declaimers stand. That's books, uh, the number two, uh, read.com slash declaimers stand. Uh, and that'll bring you to a page where you can, you know, pick your preferred retailer, whether it's Amazon or Apple or Nook or Kobo, or uh, there's a few other options on there as well. Uh, right, so thanks everyone who has uh, supported uh, Declaimer Stand so far. And I've also, I sold over 100 books this month uh, total. Uh, so if uh, you're one of the folks who has spent some time with Baz and company in the past month. I I thank you for that and hope 
hope you're enjoying. Um, and if you're interested in getting copies of all of my books, including uh, future ones, you can consider supporting me on Patreon, patreon.com slash dtkane. Every time I release a book, I will send it to you, uh, either an ebook or a physical copy, depending on which level you sign up for. Uh, plus, there are other perks. Uh, for instance, you will uh, get copies of all of the upcoming short stories in my new Temporal Operations Militia series, uh, which is exclusive to my Patreon subscribers right now. Though I think once I have a few out, I'm going to release the first story in its entirety uh, to everyone so folks can read that entire first story and decide if it's maybe something they want to continue by signing up at Patreon. That's uh, just $3.99 a month to start. That'll get you all all of my ebooks, uh, both existing ones and ones that come out in the future, uh, plus access to that short story series, uh, a new podcast, or not a new, an extra podcast episode each month, which I promise I am working on recording. I'm going to get that out to my existing patrons here uh, soon. Um, you know, and plus you get the warm, fuzzy feeling of uh, helping, helping support my art here. Uh, so uh, thanks uh, if you uh, if you do subscribe here, and thanks to uh, my current patrons uh, Jan, Jason, uh, and Diane. Your support means more than you can know. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see what else am I working on here right now, and I'm slowly ruminating on the plot to SB five. That's the that's the code name I use for each of the spoken books. We're up to five already. Kind of hard to believe. Uh, I am tentatively naming it Into the Dragon's Maw. So we're moving away from, you know, the last three have already uh, have all been declaimers or something or other. So Into the Dragon's Maw, I think, is going to be the title of the fifth one. I've got a full outline down, um, you know, but I'm still tinkering with that. So I'm probably going to start drafting it in a few weeks in earnest, and then I'll probably participate in, in NaNoWriMo to help motivate myself to get it finished. Um, and for those of you who don't know, NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. Kind of the, the goal there is to, to write 50,000 words of the first draft of a novel in a single month. Um, it's a whole whole community. You can sign up for free, and they have tools to help you track your progress and, you know, little milestone virtual badges you earn and, and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a cool not-for-profit organization. So if you're a writer and interested in participating, you can head over to NaNoWriMo and, uh, and sign up. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's free, but, you know, they, they ask you to, to make a donation, too, and they have a, I think they have a, a, a program, too, to help younger, younger folks get into to writing fiction, so it's definitely a worthy cause to, to be involved in, so just, uh, uh, go check it out, NaNoWriMo, uh, let's see, let me, I guess I should leave a, uh, a link to it in the show notes uh, for you, but that's uh, nano, N-A-N-O, Rimo, W-R-I-M-O dot org, if you uh, are interested in taking a look at that. But I will be participating this November as I work on SB5. Um, right, let's see, what else do I have going on? I am working, uh, continuing to work on Story 2 and the Temporal Operations Militia series. Um, again, that's my Patreon-only short story series. Story 1 is, is already out, and Story 2, I think I might have it done maybe in a couple weeks here. It's interesting. It's a different kind of writing. 
for me. It's because um, it it takes place in real historical events, even though it's like a time travel story. The basic idea is the temporal operations militia is this. You know, you don't know a whole lot about it right now, but it's agents travel around through time and fix anomalies in time. So basically, it's like they go to a, a specific historical event and something has gone wrong that's causing the historical event to not occur properly and uh the agents have to make sure that it does occur properly um which can obviously create some issues because you know depending on the event maybe you really don't like the outcome of this certain historical event but the idea is you know time has to be maintained in the proper way um but obviously you can see uh the characters having to face some difficult decisions if uh they don't necessarily like the outcome of the historical event they have been thrown into. Like I said, uh, it's kind of like uh, Battlefield Medics for the time-space continuum. If that sounds interesting, jump over to my Patreon page and, uh, and check it out. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm also working on a ebook box set of Spoken Books 1, 2, and 3. Hoping to have that ready for the holiday shopping season so if you had like an ebook of all three books in one place keep an eye out for that i am uh authoring a few essays for that to kind of maybe give you a reason to purchase it even if you own the ebooks already just kind of some background on my thoughts uh you know my thought process in writing the three the three novels the first three novels in the series so that'll be coming out here uh soon as well um I guess I can announce, too, I'm in the early planning stages of planning some sort of hardcover edition uh, as well. Ideally, I'd like to release a hardcover that has the first three novels inside of it, but I'm not sure if that's going to be practical or not from a, a cost and a size perspective. But I'm working on it, or maybe I'll just release a hardcover edition of The Actus Trials. But, um, but we'll see. I'll keep everyone up to date on that as uh, I get closer to making a final decision about exactly what that's going to look like. And I'm hoping to have a little custom artwork in that edition too. So I know, uh, I know some of you out there really like the, uh, the fantasy art. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, okay, I think I hit on just about everything. So next week's assignment, we're going to read chapters 12 and 13 of Declaimer's Discovery. Um, chapter 12. Uh, there's something different about Chapter 12 that we have not seen uh, in the Spoken Books Uprising series yet. Keep an eye out for that. Then over to Chapter 13. Baz gets something back. Uh, a prized something. So uh, it'll be pretty obvious once you see it, but you have that to look forward to. And then Farston, this guy just keeps dropping surprising bombs one after another. So uh, Farston's going to make another appearance in Chapter 13, and Baz is not going to like it. You know, Baz doesn't like a whole lot, but he's really not going to like this. So um, hope you uh, enjoy reading 12 and 13 on your own, or, of course, as always, if you don't do your homework, I will do it for you on next week's episode where I will narrate Chapters 12 and 13. So uh, tune in next week. All right, so that brings us down to the ever-popular fantasy quote of the week. Um, this week I selected a quote from Brian McClellan. Um, he's the author of the Powder Mage 
trilogy, which starts with a a, a promise of blood. Is that what it's called? Uh, promise of blood. Yeah, promise of blood. Uh, good series. Kind of a unique, uh, unique magic system. It's got a bit of a flintlock tilt to it, where they kind of like snort gunpowder, kind of like a drug, but then it like gives them special power over their guns and they can direct bullets and stuff. And uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. There's also a, a kind of a, a separate magic system as well. That's a little more, uh, a little more of a soft magic system, kind of more traditional magic as well mixed in there. Uh, definitely recommend that. But the reason I in particular picked Brian McCollin this week is that he seems to not seems he's had a bit of a tough week. <laughs> if you follow him uh, on Twitter, he had a loss in the family and he's also dealing with a health issue. So Brian, hope you get well uh, soon and uh, condolences on your recent loss. Um, this quote comes from his book, The Autumn Republic. I've met dozens of officers who think their immaculate mustache can move the world. <laughs> Uh, I like this quote because it's a, I think it's a great example of how fantasy can have multiple layers. So right on, on the surface, it's surface, it's just a, it's kind of a funny little quip. Shows how arrogant these officers are. And, uh, you know, if that's all you want to read it for, that's totally fine. You're having, having fun with the story. Just enjoy it. Uh, but I think you can also find some deeper meaning here. Um, you know, so often we fool ourselves about what really matters if I can just get that new outfit or car or house or whatever, you know, then I'll be happy. Or I need to get those things to impress my neighbors, coworkers, friends, or whoever else. Uh, we chase these material possessions and seek to impress others, but never stop to consider why we're doing so. If the new clothes or car make you feel good and bring value to your life, that's great. You know, by all means, get them. I'm not here to tell you uh, what you should like or how to spend your money. Uh, all I am saying here is just make sure you understand the real reason you're making the purchase or uh, the reason you're flaunting said purchase once you've already made it. Uh, you know, just as the officers in Brian McClellan's story look like fools to the objective observer, so too can we feel foolish if the only reason we've done something is because societal norms told us we ought to, or even worse, we did it to impress others we don't even like. You know, how often do we actually do that if we're trying to impress people we don't even like? Uh, so take a moment to consider the why behind your desires, and then choose a path that will actually make you happy. All right, so again, Brian, uh, you know, hope you're feeling better, and again, sorry for your for your loss and hope all of you enjoyed this week's quote and essay and as always if you have a favorite fantasy quote you would like to share send it to me at dtkane at dtkane.com and maybe i will feature it in a future newsletter and podcast episode uh all right that is it for this week fellow listeners so uh until next time this has been dt kane's epic fantasy book club I am, she replied, purple eyes glowing with opacity. The conservatory has decided I'll be its representative at the Triumphant Congress. It has? Burr, burrs? Burrs blurted? Burr. <clears throat> I am, she replied. 
purple eyes glowing with opacity. The conservatory has decided I'll be its representative at the Triumvirate Congress. It has? Baz blurted. Bl man, Baz blurted. <clears throat> Take 75. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author, or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.